Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980 AM, or anywhere on the Odyssey app. It's uh, 36 degrees and cloudy here at 409 on this Tuesday, January 23rd, 2024. The Rob O'Donnell Show is brought to you by Road Scholar Transport. You have unique shipping needs, and Road Scholar has unique shipping solutions. Dry van, temperature controlled, and high security are just a few. Visit roadscholar.com. Well, it's time for Tuesdays with Tommy, where I bring in Tommy Marquez, who's a 19-year Navy veteran who has served as a senior staffer in Congress for many years, specializing in veterans' affairs issues, and now uses his knowledge and expertise and his experience being a veteran himself in helping our veterans and guiding them to get the services that they have earned throughout their career. Tommy, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Rob. Hey, I, I got to warn you. I might give you a call tomorrow. I'm I'm here in the swamp. I'm in D.C. <laughs> and uh, if, if I stay too long, you got to come get me out, buddy. <laughs> we got to do an extraction. I want to turn it. <laughs> yes, yes. Come in hot. Bring Carl, Eddie, anyone else you know. Um, your son, just, you know, if I stay too long, I'll just start saying things like, you know, did you go to Georgetown? I'm just playing. So anyone who's in D.C. is offended by that, I apologize. Yeah. But, hey, actually, I'm here. You know, I, uh, a lot of people don't understand. I am a registered federal lobbyist, and I do lobbying. I know it sounds evil, but it's actually not. But every time I get a chance to meet with a member, I always want to find out some information on military affairs, on veterans affairs. And I always ask at the end of the meeting, hey, real quick question about this on the military, this on the National Defense Authorization Act. So, this on the UCMJ and get their opinions, get their information, um, get things that I could obtain and be in the know on. Uh, and then I bounce it off Congressional Research Service and other veterans I'm talking to. And then I try to put this all on video, on social media. I try to put it on your show here on WILK radio so that veterans, their loved ones, their families, they can all have this information of where things are going, where things are, and separate the fact from fiction. And so I try to do videos on all this information, but this stuff is just too hot, just brand new. It started in December when the NDAA was passed, the National Defense Authorization Act. I'll try not to talk in acronyms for everyone. And there's, there's a couple things that I want to talk about uh, that now, as the bill is written, as it has been signed into law, what's going to happen here in the future? The first of which is regarding the UCMJ. So Rob and our side gig is, is uh, members of the boards of directors for Piper Foundation. You know, we're always talking about UCMJ reform and making it so that our military service members get a fair trial, get a fair chance in the legal system of the military. For those of you who don't know, you can read a million different articles, whether it's on task and purpose, military times, um, military press. There's tons of incidents where the UCMJ is failing our military service members. They don't get uh, good representation. They don't get their rights served to them, and they don't get a fair trial. So some things are changing. And one of the first things that is going to be coming down the line, they signed it into law in the National Defense Authorization Act. No one's talking about this, but they snuck in there that the Supreme Court can now review certain actions of the United States Court of Appeals for the Armed Forces commonly known to military members as USCAF. Previously, the United States uh, 
the Court of Appeals for the Armed Forces had made rules where essentially their laws were binding, their decisions were binding, and that the U.S. Supreme Court could not look at those rulings and decisions and, and, and make a decision on their own or strip power from them. Well, now that's gone. Almost immediately, since this was signed into law on December 22nd, now the Supreme Court can review actions of those uh, U.S. military courts. And it doesn't even have to come from USCAF. It can come from any military court. The Supreme Court can now take it up. Now, most likely, the Supreme Court's going to push back any kind of cases that haven't gone all the way up to USCAF. But now they have the authority to look at some of the rulings that are coming out of the military courts. And if, if you guys want to hear about some of the, the horrible cases in the past, you know, you can Google Navy SEAL Senior Chief Keith Berry, and you will find some of the most disgusting cases of law you'll ever ha uh, have heard and gross misconduct by the head Navy legal officer at that time. And the Supreme Court is now able to look at those cases and say, hey, this is wrong. You know, this is direct uh, command influence that are, you know, just not right and doesn't allow a member, a U.S. military member to get a fair trial. That's all we're trying to do here is make sure that our military members get fair trials. Just, just you know, basic human rights that we believe in as Americans. So that is a huge change. I'm really happy with that. And another huge change that a lot of people don't understand this that in the military, in order to be convicted of a crime, you do not need uh, a unanimous uh, jury verdict. You just need a majority jury verdict, okay? And sometimes then the judge can intervene, and, and, and there's better experts on this, but my understanding of it from a 2,000-mile view uh, in Congress is that a judge can intervene and alter some of the decisions of the jury and give his own ruling, too. So a criminal, so, a criminal jur jury, as per the UCMJ in our military courts, is more similar to a civil judgment where it's just the preponderance of the evidence. You need 51 percent, the majority of that jury of their peers, to decide not a unanimous. Correct. So now the military is going to be forced to do a study on the negative impacts that come from that rule and then implement changes that would lead to most likely the unanimous requirement, especially when it comes to findings of guilty um, when it's very serious offenses. And previously that was not the case, but now uh, they have to do a study. So look for that down the road. And, and that's a big change for fair trials. Now, the last thing I have is not the best of news, but it is something that I can tell you members of Congress are looking into currently, and they're pretty heated about it. And this is on both sides of the aisle of everyone I'm talking to here in D.C. And I literally left the Capitol 20 minutes ago. So this is hot off the press. They asked me about it uh, during our meetings, and I brought it up uh, and had to read the article myself in the Military Times about family separation allowance. Currently, uh, military members who are deployed overseas over 30 days, they get, I believe it's $250 a month for involuntarily being separated from their families, as long as you're over 30 days. And it's a tax-free benefit that's out there. 
On December 22nd, President Biden signed into law um, an authorization that allowed the military to – the, the Pentagon to increase this up to $400 per month. Now, for whatever reason, the Pentagon has not done so. And the Pentagon saying, we're actually not looking at increasing it. We're actually looking at doing like a flexible over time. The longer you're gone, perhaps we could, it could lead to more pay of this tax-free benefit and all sorts of stuff. So Congress, specifically uh, Representative Tony Gonzalez of Texas, is, very, is pretty upset by this. He was one of the original sponsors of this bill and says that its intended use uh, was to increase the separation allowance for military service members. And the Congress was pretty precise in their language and saying, like, hey, this is what we intend this to, to do, is to increase it. And the idea that the Pentagon is dragging their feet on this, they're finding perplexing, and they're already asking questions to the Pentagon. Why isn't this already done? It's been about a month um, and a day, and, and this is something that should be looking to, to be done already. Congress expected it to be done, not looking for – the Pentagon to say, well, we're going to study this, look at this, and maybe do a tiered approach to this. But this is an example, and I know everyone loves to beat up Congress, and I'm included in that, uh, including my swamp jokes earlier. But this is an example of Congress getting things right. They wrote a law. They specifically wrote the law in unambiguous language saying, hey, you're to increase this pay. The Pentagon and bureaucrats within the Pentagon, people basically who are not eligible for this pay increase, um, and I know they're not eligible because they already had been approved that they were eligible, but unelected individuals in the Pentagon are saying like, hey, well, let's look at a, a study and a tiered approach and blah, blah, blah. No. Congress wrote this in a law. The president signed it. They both got that right. Whether you agree with them or you don't, that's the law. The Pentagon needs to implement the law. We need to implement immediately these changes uh, for the family separation allowance. I don't know one person on any side of the aisle who believes that military service members, when they're separated from their family, should get less money. I, no one that I talk to uh, is in favor of that. So they, to the point where they actually made it into a law. So why this is taking so long from the Pentagon, this is exactly why we need to have congressional oversight. This is exactly why um, military members and people who care about our military members need to contact their members of Congress and tell them, hey, we want you to call the Pentagon and ask them, why aren't they getting this done? This needs to be done now. I think everyone's in favor of it, uh, especially for those who are deployed for over 30 days. Our, we know that our military service members are largely underpaid, um, especially when you look at that. I think it's $25 an hour right now, or 20 to $25 an hour to flip burgers at McDonald's in California. And most service members, E3 and below, make less than that, and they're putting their lives on the line. So an extra $150 a month tax-free isn't a lot. And like you said, and, who's a bureaucrat uh, somewhere in the Pentagon to decide that they are going to instill the law the way they feel rather than the way it's written? Uh, and hopefully Congress calls whoever's responsible for that before them and asks those specific questions. You know, we, we passed a law. We passed a very specific law. Who are you to not follow it? or decide that how it's going to be followed. Yeah, absolutely. And so as much as everyone dislikes Congress, I'll tell you, look it up. The people I despise the most, I'll be 100% honest with you, are the bureaucrats. 
these unelected individuals in the Pentagon who are making policies without the authority of Congress, without the authority. And remember, Congress is a representative of the people. They're elected there. So if you don't like them, you can vote them out. We can't remove these people from the Pentagon. To me, this is a fireable offense. If I was the Secretary of Defense, um, I'd leave my hospital room and go down and fire this individual immediately because this is plain cut and dry. The bill's there. It's all done. Why isn't this being done? But I bring this to you guys um, and your radio listeners who are so proactive, by the way. Every time I do the show, uh, I just saw the letter that somebody wrote into your show. Rob, thank you for sending me that, by the way. Yeah, we're going to follow, we're gonna emails, follow up guys, on that. Uh, both, yeah. both, both Tommy and I got a letter from, from one of our prisons here. Dennis, we did receive your letter. I'm not going to say your last name, but we're going to be getting back in touch with you, who's a veteran who, who made mistake, is serving time in prison. They have a, a military mm-hmm. liaison that gives them veterans information, but it's very hard to come by because they don't have internet. They don't have a lot of things. Obviously, they listen to the radio. So uh, when Tommy and I get together, we're going to see what we can do to get back in touch with you, Dennis, and your liaison there at SCI Dallas uh, Prison. So um, we did get your letter, and we're going to work on it. Absolutely. And this information, I know this is not good for them in prison, but for everyone else. I put all this on Rob's show once a week, and you can follow up on a lot of this information. If you missed it or there was a past episode, you know, Rob's on the Odyssey app, so you can listen to it there. And you can always follow me on social media. Um, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, at Tommy Marquez Consulting. I do tons of videos just putting this information out, not trying to sell you anything, um, not trying to make you buy anything from me, just providing this information out so that you can improve the quality of your life and your family's life by learning about your benefits, your resources, and things just to make discounts, deals, everything like that, just to improve your life. All right, Tommy, I appreciate you calling this week. Thanks for the breaking information. I'm up against traffic and weather, my friend. Yep. Thanks. Thank you. Have Rob. a great day. <laughs> Don't get caught up in D.C. <laughs> it's 423 here at WILK. Time for traffic and weather. There's no real traffic to be up against, actually. Uh, there's, there's, it looks pleasant. A nice ride home, my friends. 81's looking good. New York border to Hazleton. No problems to report on any of our other major roadways. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line 570-883-7269 from the WILK Traffic Center. Nikki Stone with this Pentelodata Internet Traffic Update. Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. Tonight, spotty rain showers. Temperatures slowly rise a few degrees. Um, by morning, temperatures are around 36 degrees. Wednesday, cloudy with rain, heavy at times in the afternoon and evening, high 40. Wednesday night, rain showers tapering off, low 36. Thursday, mostly cloudy and warmer with spotty showers, high 45. Friday morning showers followed by mostly cloudy but dry in the afternoon, high of 52. Um, I need to tell you a little bit about Budget Blinds. Budgetblinds.com. You contact them, you're going to get contacted by Rick or uh, Tom or Rick. They're a leader in custom window treatments, 90% more options than your big box stores. And again, as a do-it-yourselfer, as someone who's always gone to the big box stores, that's the biggest thing that jumped out at me, the selections, the choices, the options. Five or six binders, five or six inches thick with almost anything you can imagine in there. I didn't know there was that. Like I said, 90% more choices. You go to a big box store, you're only looking at about 10%, even with their special orders and their catalogs. Budget Blinds is proud to offer the best warranty program in the industry, including their no-questions-asked guarantee, which means you're saving money in the end. You're going to go through three or four types of blinds, uh, different blinds, if you go to the big box stores. Theirs are guaranteed. They're warranted. No questions asked. Again, 
Budgetblinds.com, you won't be disappointed. 36 degrees and cloudy here in Northeast Pennsylvania at 425. We'll be back. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. 36 degrees and cloudy at 427. Let me go to the phone. Ray's been holding for a while. We got Ray from Pittston on the PA American Water. Thanks for holding, Ray. Ray, you there? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You're yeah. on. But I want to say, they want this big rate hike for water services. Yet when Joe Biden, remember he kept on yelling how much infrastructure money, infrastructure money he had that would help with this and help with that. Why aren't they going to Joe Biden for their money for their water services? Why are they coming after the people that are struggling the way it is? Yeah, I I don't understand. A lot of this extra, a lot of this increase is for their infrastructure. So you would think that they would be able to curtail that or mitigate yeah. those raises by some of the money that has been allocated already for infrastructure. Um, you're, it's, a, it's a great question, and it's a question that should be uh, geared towards the, the your legislators and the PUC. Yeah, it wouldn't be many people we should all get together, throw a few dollars in and get an attorney to have them answer that question. And, uh, because, and another thing, I, I know I know a lot of people, what's going on, I hate to say it, and some of them say they're godly, and I've got intent with them, and they all seem to have an attitude. If it doesn't affect me and I'm living good yet, I don't care. And I'm like, no, that's the wrong attitude because we're all in this together. And sooner or later, it'll bite you, even if you're making more money than me. It is. If it's the PUC now with water and sewage, who's, who's to say next time it's not PP&L or next time it's not gas? Or uh, you know, it, We've seen this go across the spectrum. Our phone companies, our cable companies, it, 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 it's, it behooves the people of the area uh, that that live in the same area where some people are getting affected to all get involved because sooner or later some something some of it's going to affect you. Yeah, I really feel as though, like I said, with this this infrastructure money should be paying for this, not out of the people's pocket. And I'm going to try to make a meeting and ask that question. Maybe I'll be walked out for asking it, but <laughs> I just feel as though that Biden made all these promises on this and. Where's, let's just the infrastructure money pay for it. Yeah, I mean, I would start by whoever your congressman is in, in your area. That would be a best start with his office, his or her office locally. Um, and again, January 30th in Scranton at the Scranton Cultural Center, the PUC will be having their public hearing. So you might want to go there as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'll make the evening one, that's for sure, not during the day. But. Yeah, it's either 1 or 6 p.m. on the 30th. Plus, they have a couple telephone hearings. Uh, on Monday, February 5th, and Wednesday, February 7th, again, both at 1 and 6 p.m. But that, that's the only way you're going to get answers, is get involved with the public output and see what happens. All right, thanks for that. Listen, I appreciate it. I love your show. Thank you, Ray. Thanks for checking in. It's uh, 4.30, coming up on 4.31 here on WILK. We'll uh, be back after the news with Paul Michaels. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. 36 degrees and cloudy at 436. That's a song called Stand by a local artist, Nate Hosey. Um, it's, it's about standing up for our flag, supporting our military and our first responders that are out there. This is the point in the show where we honor our heroes across America who made the ultimate sacrifice. 75 police officers made the ultimate sacrifice on this day in history. Five of them from here in Pennsylvania. We're going to start off with Patrolman Matthew Steve Forgotch, Newport Township Police Department of Pennsylvania in 1960. Suffered a fatal heart attack while responding to an automobile crash at the Kiermer Park and Parkway in Center Street. 
Trooper Charles Stanley Stansky Jr., Pennsylvania State Police in 1958, was killed in an automobile accident while pursuing a speeding vehicle in Silver Spring Township near New Kingston. Patrolman William W. Harmer, Scranton Police Department in 1937. Patrolman William Harmer was killed in a motorcycle accident while on patrol on North Washington Avenue and Ash Street at 5.10 p.m. Served with the Scranton Police Department for nine years. He was survived by his wife and three children. Patrolman Lewis Williams James, Scranton Police Department, Pennsylvania. On this day in 1923, Patrolman James suffered a fatal heart attack after responding to a report of a gas leak at a home of a local doctor. Patrolman James ran to the doctor's office to retrieve the keys to the house and then ran back to the home. After searching the house, he did not find any evidence of a gas leak, but as he exited the home, he collapsed. He was taken to a local hospital where he died the following day. Sergeant Casper Thomas Schmotzer, Pittsburgh Bureau of Police, 1923, was shot and killed when he and another police officer attempted to retrieve a revolver that had been stolen from a bar that morning. And those are our five from our area here in Northeast Pennsylvania. And um, just to reiterate what we talked about at the opening of the show, Detective Kyle Gilmartin was released from Geisinger CMC Hospital this morning on his way to a Philadelphia rehabilitation facility. He was wearing his Scranton Police uniform shirt and his uniform hat did give high fives and shake hands to his colleagues. Um, held his arm up as high as he could with his hand open to let the community and officers from all over the region know that he was doing okay and he was going to be okay. And our wishes and our prayers are with him while he takes on this next step in rehabilitation. It's it's just amazing that he's made it this far. He is having conversations uh, early on. You know, I was told that he was writing the alphabet with his finger uh, to to communicate with people, squeezing people's hand. Now he's having uh, communications with people and conversations. It's a great, great uh, step and uh, nothing but the best for his family as he moves forward in this next step. And again, we, we owe it to him to uh, for him to return home the same way he left that morning, the same condition. You go through something like this, the traumatic sense of just being shot in the head at point-blank range almost, uh, ambushed, as they put it in the uh, accusatory documents for the suspects who opened fire. Uh, there's a lot to get over, and hopefully if he chooses to go back into law enforcement and walk the streets and drive the streets of Pennsylvania again, that's his choice. If he does not, he's done his service, and he's uh, well-earned a retirement and spend the rest of the time with his family. But then again, that's his choice, and hopefully he can get as well as he can, back to normal as he can, so um, so it's not an issue. So that choice is easy for him to make. And again, I've explained some things that our law enforcement do, do in our area time and time again, just that the situation at the Sheets in Scranton just the last week, that I told you how uh, what great police work was done in a very quick amount of time while there was an armed suspect sitting in their car that could have turned dangerous at any moment. These things happen day in and day out, and we have to appreciate the job that our law enforcement do each day in and day out, and all our first responders and all our nurses and medical staff 
that that answered the call when they got that phone call that Detective Gilmartin was en route to Geisinger Community Medical Center with severe trauma, and they were ready to go. And obviously, did uh, did God's work when they received him and treated him. It's four. Oh, we got a little time here. Looking at some text messages coming in again. You call or text at five seven zero eight eight three zero zero nine eight. And trying to read a text message here. Not not sure what it even says. And if you go to my my social media page, Facebook, uh, Rob O'Donnell on Facebook, you can see a picture. I have a picture of uh, Detective Gil Martin raising his hand, waving to the crowd. And I also shared the Scranton Police Department's video. Uh, that was, they were up front. I, I was obviously way in the back when I took my, my picture this morning. But uh, they were right up front, and you can see him coming out, getting a salute from his entire department and all the law enforcement officers that were present to see him off. And uh, you could see him shake hands. It's a very clear video of shaking hands and acknowledging his co-workers, them acknowledging him, them giving him cheers, and then him saying hello to the rest of the crowd that's out there. So I, I suggest you go to my my Facebook page, Rob O'Donnell on Facebook, and I also shared the PUC um, meetings website to where you can look to see where those meetings are and how you sign up if you wish to testify or speak. It's currently 442 here at WILK. Time for traffic and weather. Everything's still good out there, Nikki? It's looking pretty good, except fog. Lots of fog out there. We have no reports of any incidents on 8180, 84, 380, or 476, the PA Turnpike. Not a lot of heavy traffic either. So hopefully it'll stay this way for the remainder of the afternoon. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line, 570-883-7269. I'm Nikki Stone from the WILK Traffic Center with this Pentola Data Internet Traffic Update. Whoa. Slow down. Slow down. Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. Tonight, spotty rain, light rain showers. Temperatures slowly rise a few degrees. By morning, it's going to be about 36 degrees. Wednesday, cloudy with rain, heavy at times in the afternoon and evening, high 40. Wednesday night, rain showers tapering off, low 36. Thursday, mostly cloudy and warmer with spotty showers, high 45. Friday, morning showers followed by mostly cloudy but dry in the afternoon, high 52. It's currently 36 degrees and cloudy here at 443 at your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. 36 degrees and cloudy here at 446. Uh, somebody said both UGI and PPNL raised rates three times in late 2022 and early 2023. I'll, I'll take your word for it. I really, don't, unfortunately, don't pay too much attention to it. Though the PPNL, uh, I, I got caught up with them a couple of times where I let the rate expire, and now now I put alerts two months before my rate expires on my phone, so I get that alert and I can shop from whatever my new price is or whatever that is. But whatever I saved for those two years, they made back in two months because it took two months for them to transfer. They, I think they're a little quicker now because I just did this not too long ago, and I think it only took a month for them to transfer service from one company, one provider to another provider. And again, PPL still uses the lines to do it. They just You get your service from that provider 
that sells you the actual electric. But within two months, they made up everything I saved by that lower rate in two years. That's how much they jacked up my rate. So I got caught with that once, and I was only going to get caught with that once. Uh, my brother just got caught with that, I think, last year as well here in northeast Pennsylvania, where, uh, you know, you just lose track of when that's up. Yeah, they send you maybe a letter that you might see and might not see. But we'll... Uh, I got caught up in it, so now I set that alert on my phone two months beforehand. I start shopping, and I get the the new the new um, provider in quickly because you're only going to screw me once. Uh, if it happens again, then it's my fault, and I deserve it. But it, I, like I said, they, they got back two years of savings in just two months. That's how high. I mean, I think they doubled my rate, my, my per kilowatt hour rate or whatever it was, and it was just incredible what we were paying. For the, and, and you can't you gotta you gotta submit the change they gotta approve it they gotta send it and it's gotta it took two months so within two months they got me it's as simple as that well there's there's some breaking news Texas has responded to the Supreme Court ruling about uh allowing the federal government to remove razor wire and what was their response they are putting up more razor wire the governor has uh, the governor has there's pictures of their the national the Texas National Guard and the Department of Public Safety adding more razor wire to the area in defiance of the Supreme Court ruling. Now, uh, uh, some people are going to say, "Well, how does Texas? How do you support them just ignoring the law?" The Supreme Court said this is that. Well, Joe Biden's just ignoring the law. Uh, no laws have changed between. The Trump administration and the Biden administration as per illegal immigration, but Joe Biden chooses to uh, ignore some of it. So why not fight fire with fire? I'm probably not the best of things to do, but the Supreme Court does not have a uh, enforcement arm. And if you look at the union head of the Border Patrol who were the ones tasked with taking down the barbed wire, they're all for it. And the head of the Border Patrol Union was on TV earlier today, and he said this isn't a Border Patrol versus the Department of Public Safety in Texas, the Texas DPS, Department of Public Safety, Texas Department of Public Safety, or the Border Patrol. It's not us versus them. It's not the Border Patrol versus the Texas National Guard. This is Joe Biden versus Governor Abbott. That's what this is. And the attorney general is looking into responding. The, the Texas attorney general, that is, is looking into responding to what the Supreme Court has done. And we'll see where this plays out. I mean, we're, we're dealing with the dangerous territory here. But breaking news, Texas has responded to the SCOTUS ruling about allowing the federal government to remove razor wire by putting up even more razor wire. And it's interesting because uh, Admiral Kirby, the spokesperson for the NSC for the White House, today was asked if razor wire is a deterrent at our border. And he said no. And I said, that's interesting because I posted a picture of the fences with the razor wire around the Capitol that were put up by Nancy Pelosi after... 
January 6th. So if razor wire and barriers can work around the Capitol building, why can't they work at our border? Hmm, don't know. Not sure. But that's what's going on there. And there's an individual at the... Uh, at the border, Middle Eastern individual. Now, I've been looking into this. I, I shared it the other day on my social media. And he was approached by a reporter at the border who said, where are you from? And he answered in a Middle Eastern accent, if you're smart enough, you would know who I am, but you're not really smart enough to know who I am, but soon you're going to know who I am. That's what he said on video. There's a video of this. You can see it on social media. You can see it on my social media. It's an interaction. Uh, it turns out that this individual is Mavsum Samadov, who's known as, uh, I, I can't even say what is known as. Uh, he just did 12 years. He's the chairman of the Islamic terrorist group Azerbaijan, Azerbaijani Islamic Party. He was sentenced to 12 years after being convicted of trying to overthrow the government. He's charged with arms trafficking, illicit use of weapons, criminal premeditation and conspiracy terrorism, treason and sedition. He was convicted on October 7th, 2011. He was released January 19th, 2023. And if I can play the audio, let me see if I can get it up. You're not smart enough to know who I am. You're really not smart enough, but soon you're going to know who I am. Coming from a known terrorist at our border, on our side of the border, who was just released after spending 12 years in prison in Europe. He's the chairman of the Islamic terrorist group, Azerbaijani Islamic Party. Again, arms trafficking with illicit use of weapons, criminal premeditation and conspiracy terrorism, treason and sedition. Um, just crossed into our border here in America. So hopefully we uh, see some type of reaction uh, from our authorities. But it's it's it was posted the other day, and I, I posted it, but it seemed too over the top. But since then, he has been identified by multiple agencies, by, by and I shouldn't say agencies, multiple organizations uh, who identified through facial recognition who he was. Hopefully our government's doing the same thing. But for him to say, uh, if you were smart enough, you'd know who I am, but soon you're going to know who I am, I take that as a threat, and hopefully our government does something. Um, again, I posted the videos with the transcription of what he was said on uh, my social media. So we will see. What's going on? Somebody said razor wire around prisons and nuclear plants. Hmm, deterrent? I think so. Not inhumane. No, there's, you look at some cell towers, there's 8-foot, 9-foot, 10-foot fences with razor wire all around it. Some of our schools have razor wire. Somebody says, why was he let into the USA? Um, great question, because it's a free-for-all at our border. There were 1.7 million gotaways. More people on a terrorist watch list in the past year than in the past decade. Oh, we're in trouble. 
we're in trouble. I'm reading my good friend, Kurt Schlichter. He was on the show two weeks ago. His book, The Attack, and it talks about just this, how they got in, how they went throughout the country, and how on one day we had an October 7th in 50 major cities across America. Think about it, how realistic it could be. Book's terrifying the hell out of me, and I've been in public safety for three decades. It's uh, 4.55 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. 36 degrees at 4.58, coming up on the 5 o'clock hour. Somebody said, well said, Rob, very sobering. I hope these people wake up and hold our elected officials accountable at the ballot box because they're all complicit. We need to pray for uh, just men to lead our nation and our families, uh, men and women. But... Um, yeah, you're 100% correct. What's going on? I, I don't know what more could be said there. And, and it's interesting because New York City, New York State has reached its breaking point. They are saying we're at, our, we're at our breaking point. It's full. But yet the governor and the mayor today posted where the governor wrote a letter with nine other governors, eight other governors, nine in total, mostly Democrat cities, uh, mostly sanctuary states, saying that they're um, – they need help. They need help from the federal government. So they are at their breaking point. Their budgets are being bankrupt. But as long as somebody else is paying for it, they're okay with it. They just need money to pay for it. That doesn't infuriate you? And, but that seems to be the way this administration does things. Um, you know, as long as someone else is paying for it, we're good. It's how voters think, right? As long as I'm getting what I'm getting and somebody else is paying for it, I'm good. I'll vote for less worse. But the governors just basically said that. Yes, we're at our capacity. We can't handle any more. We can't do it. We're at our breaking point. Our, our budgets are going bankrupt. We're, in, we're running deficits. We need help from the federal government. So illegal immigration is okay as long as someone else is paying for it, hence the federal government. That's the stance of these nine governors. And again, in states where I think all but two of the states are sanctuary states, none of them have reversed their meaning on that, right? It's uh, coming up on 5 o'clock here at WILK. Okay? We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show after the 5 o'clock news break. See you then.